Welcome to the SoulWorks Podcast, a place where we explore self-care strategies that lead us to our well-being and highest self. I'm your host, Ade Chakol. Hi, beautiful souls. Welcome to the show. I am so grateful for you. If you have been listening to my podcast in the past, I appreciate you. I'm so grateful for you. You know, without you, without my listeners, without my followers, the work that I do would not be as effective. So I really, really want you to know how much I appreciate you and I thank you and uh, I love to hear from you. So if you have any comments, if you have any suggestions, I'm open. I'm here. I'm here to serve you. So let me know. Let's connect. And if this is your first time listening to this podcast, welcome. I am so grateful that you have decided to join us. And I really hope that this podcast will resonate with you and uh, that you would enjoy it. And I also love to hear from you. I love to hear your feedback. So let me know. Stay connected. Write me, you know, reviews, comments, uh, send me a message on Instagram. I will definitely reply back to you. So I'm just so very grateful for all of you. Today, I have this very fun topic that I'm going to discuss and share with you. You know, in health and wellness, like you've probably heard me say so many times, there's just so many aspects, so many areas of life that affect our health, affect our well-being, affect us as spiritual being in all ways. So normally what people associate health with is nutrition and exercise, but that's part of it, really, a very important part, but only a part of what makes us healthy and what makes us well. There's just so much to life. And one of them is our relationships, our love life. You know, you can be the most successful person at work. You can have all the money that you want. But in my opinion, and I'm sure a lot of people agree with me, that if you don't have someone to share that with someone to appreciate that with and to you know be there and celebrate you when you have your successes and hold space for you and sit with you when life gets challenging you know it's hard out there sometimes we're all pushing and we're all trying to create and Sometimes there's resistance, sometimes there's hurdles and, you know. So if our relationships, most importantly, also our love relationships are challenging us and we're not happy, we're, you know, suffering in that area, then it can be really, really difficult. So what I wanted to share with you today is... Mostly what our mindsets are, um, to question what our mindsets are in the area of love and in relationships. 
most people have a lot of questions and we will be just touching the surface of this area of life because there's just so much to uncover. But I really wanted to talk to you and share with you some of the limiting beliefs that many people share in terms of, you know, relationships and what we can do to shift those mindsets and to think differently and, you know, see things from a different window. A lot of people have questions about dating, about, you know, what to do when conflicts arises. And in this episode, which was so fun to record, Vitaly Buford, who is an executive coach, speaker, and author of Addicted to Perfect, will share with you some of the tricks and tips and the truth of what what to do and how to question yourself and where to start really in terms of love and relationship and i can't wait for you to dive in and listen her work has been featured in the new york times and she has 14 years of experience working in marketing and business development for a variety of industries and professional service organizations. Vitaly brings her perfectionism training and concepts to life in a fun and relatable way, empowering teams and companies to transform the way they work, produce, and relate. You can learn more about her on and how she changes lives at vitalibuford.com. But, you know, it's just a beautiful episode on how to question our mindset, our beliefs, and what we think about ourselves, which affects our relationships. I reached out to Vitali to do this episode because of what she had written on one of her platforms in her own relationship and what her experience and what her journey was and you know how she shifted her mindset and how she found her soulmate and she would give us her her background and what her experience was and i'm sure there's just so much to learn from this and i can't wait to just dive in so without further ado here's vitali Hi, beautiful souls. Thank you for joining me. I have an amazing guest with me here today, Vitaly Buford. She is a transformational coach, speaker, and also an author. I am so excited for this episode because we're going to be talking about uh, love and relationship, which is one of my favorite topics to discuss. So Vitaly, thank you so much for being here and welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Wonderful. So before I start, I have um, this question that I ask all my guests, and that's, what is your morning routine? Oh, yeah. So my morning routine consists of, I wake up at 5.30 a.m. and I'm really dedicated to my morning routine because it really sets a tone for my day. But there's three pieces of my morning routine Um, that I'm committed to. And I do some basic journaling, just kind of a brain dump on what's going on with me and maybe what happened the day before. And then I do gratitude journaling, which has been hugely transformational for me. And then after that, 
I do I am statements, which is sort of like future self journaling where I write down mantras or future goals as if they've already been achieved to really create the energy around my dreams and my goals. Mm, That's so beautiful. So do you do that as a meditation or your mantras or do you just write them down as a journal? I write them down because, you know, there's so much power in journaling and writing because it actually rewires your brain. Mm, That's so beautiful. Thank you so much. It's uh, very interesting to know what people do in the morning to set themselves up for a wonderful day. So thank you so much for sharing that. So you are a speaker, you're a transformational coach, and you're an author. How did that all unfold in your life? If you can tell us about, you know, about yourself and your background. We would love to hear that. Yeah. So, um, you know, I grew up in a household where I thought that I needed to be perfect to be loved. And for me, perfection meant really thin and very high achieving. And I got praised when I was those things. So I grew up as a young adult. So in my late teens and early 20s, I thought that's what I needed to be loved and to feel worthy. And so when I was in college, I was introduced to Adderall. And for me, it was, quote, the perfect drug. And that turned into a 10-year addiction for me. And so no one knew that I had the addiction. It was a very private solo addiction. But And everyone around me thought that I was perfect. They were like, how are you working this many hours? How are you this thin? You know, you think you seem to have the perfect life. And I had an amazing corporate job and everything looked perfect on the outside, but I was dying on the inside. So at age 31, I made the decision to finally get sober. And since that decision six years ago to get sober, my life is radically transformed. And for me, because I had been unable to live my true authentic self for my entire life. I was dedicated to living my true authentic self. And through that, just ended up becoming a certified coach from that, becoming a speaker. And then one of my first goals was to write my memoir and tell my story because I realized that my true addiction was to perfectionism and realized how pervasive perfectionism was in my life and also how pervasive it is in most people's lives. And that was my why was to heal perfectionism in millions of people's lives. Mm, Wow, that's so beautiful. Yes, I absolutely agree. Just in my own experience to even start this podcast, it took me two years, because I was trying to perfect it. And that would never happen. So there came a point for me to say, all right, I'm either going to do it or I'm not. It's always a decision, right? So I love that. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. So we're here today to talk about, you know, relationships and love, you know, as I'm a holistic health coach. And to me, everything in your life, every area of your life, your career, your finances, your spiritual life, it all plays a role into your health and well-being. And relationships Mm -hmm. play a huge role in that. And that's my goal. My goal, you know, for my audience is to give them the resources by interviewing amazing people such as yourself to share with us your wisdom and your techniques and your strategies on on different areas. So when we're talking about relationships and love, 
a lot of people, and this is, you know, mostly for single people, what they want to know in my own experience, or a lot of what people ask me is, how do we attract the person that's right for us, the right partner? So I would like you to share with us of what are your thoughts in that area? Is there a specific formula or how do we do it? Yeah. You know, I think everyone says this, but it's like, you know, focus on yourself and stop, you know, thinking about who my partner's going to be and what your relationship to be. But I would say my overarching theme for relationships and successful relationships is heal yourself and you'll heal the relationship. And so I believe that to be true too when you're, you know, attracting love into your life. So for me, I'm currently in a relationship with my soulmate. And so I'll just kind of tell you what my process was for attracting him into my life, if that's helpful. Yes, absolutely. Okay, great. So I had a history of really toxic relationships. I never was my true self in relationship because I was afraid of being abandoned because I had a huge abandonment wound. And so I was people pleaser. I also had an anxious avoidant attachment style. So not only would sometimes I get too attached, but then I would also not be committed in the relationship as a form of protection. So I definitely always had one foot in and one foot out in a relationship. So finally, after I started healing and getting healthy, when I got sober, I put an end to the toxic relationships and spent some time, 18 months actually on my own. And it wasn't that I said I needed 18 months, but that's what how long it ended up being. And it was a lot of really hard, painful growth that I needed to go through. And I would say probably like it was August before I met my soulmate. And I was like, you know what? I'm ready. I'm ready to meet my partner. I want to find the person I want to spend my life with. And I'm ready for that. And so what I did is I got really clear on what that person would be. And so I wrote down all the attributes. What did I want in a partner? And then also what were the attributes of the relationship itself? How did I want the relationship to feel? You know, did I want there to be, you know, emotional and physical intimacy, communication, laughter, playfulness, open communication about finances. I wanted it to feel safe. You know, what were those attributes? And I got really clear and I wrote them down. And again, there's just power in writing things down. And then honestly, I looked up at the universe and I was like, you know, I'm really setting the tone. I want to meet my soulmate in the next year. And I was really intentional about it. I was like, this is like universe. This is what I want. And literally four months later, my soulmate came into my life. Mm -hmm. And I also want to make clear that a lot of people think we need to arrive at some destination or some final point in our growth to meet someone. And that's not the case. You just need to be in a place where you're committed to your growth and growing, in my opinion. And so for me, like I was at a place where I was in, a, in the midst of really painful growth. And in fact, on the outside, I would have thought like, I'm definitely not ready to be in a relationship. I had gained weight. I was having body confidence issues. And I was like, you know, how could I find my soulmate at this point? But it was this really beautiful space because I was like, well, you know, I'll lose like 20 pounds and then I'll start dating. And the universe was like, no, you'll start dating now. It's not about that. And so... Yeah. So I've been with my soulmate now more than 18 months. And that was a process for me attracting my soulmate, but really it was getting clear on what I wanted. And then, you know, just setting that intention and really committing, continuing to be committed to my own growth. Yes. You mentioned that, you know, you had the abundant issues and attachment issues. Those are the things that I also had noticed in myself. So 
Would you share with us, like, what are the types of work that you did for you to start working on healing yourself? Yeah. So abandonment was my biggest wound and it was triggered in everything. I mean, even friendships, work, money, everything, but really in intimate relationships. And so because I've been doing work, I got doing work on myself and having, I had a coach, a therapist, all of those things. And I myself am am a coach. So I'm super committed to my growth. But I realized like abandonment was my core wound. And in my current relationship with my soulmate, like there were so many times where it was triggered and I would want to pull away and again, have one foot in and one foot out. And so for me, the process was first just by becoming aware. Okay. I have you know, in a major abandonment wound from my childhood and it's triggered. And so it's just becoming aware initially of those abandonment triggers. Like, wow, he said this thing, he did this thing, he didn't say this thing and it triggered my abandonment. What does this say about me? It's not really so much what it says about him, but what does it say about me? And what's really going on with me? And then I would say my biggest aha moment was realizing that Living this identity where I was allowing other people to quote, abandon me was where I was still living victimhood in my life. Mm. Right. So for me, the biggest aha moment, I was working with my coach and she was like, Batali, no one can abandon you without your consent. And that quote changed my life because I was like, you're right. Like people can leave, but no one can abandon you. Abandonment is a victim mentality. Mm. And as children, we we do experience that abandonment. But as adults, we can carry that victim mentality and it doesn't serve us any longer. And so we allow others to treat us certain ways because we're so afraid of abandonment. And so for me, it was like, oh, the person I'm actually abandoned, the thing that's actually happening is I'm actually abandoning myself. That person isn't abandoning me. I'm abandoning myself by not saying what I need and what my boundaries are in this relationship. Mm. Yes. And so the less you abandon yourself, the less you fear abandonment. And then every time I was triggered with abandonment, because there was that awareness, right? Like, oh, no one can abandon me without my consent. Oh, the person, that, the abandonment issue that's really going on is I'm abandoning myself. I'm not speaking my truth in this relationship. I'm not setting a boundary. I'm not saying what I need. And that's a form of abandonment. And so anyway, every time I was triggered, I would have a talk with my inner child. I'd be like, okay, Vitaly, like, you feel really triggered right now and you are afraid of being abandoned, but I'm here for you and you actually can't be abandoned. It's okay. I'm here for you. Mm, yeah. Being there for yourself. And right. at some point we need to change or we need to rewrite the story that we tell ourselves, right? right. Uh, we, the victim mentality, the, this has happened to me before. So it is going to happen again, or I have to put on my guards otherwise. I haven't learned from that. Actually, learning from it means that you work on it and then you let it go. But when you're holding on to whatever has happened in the past, it's still going to affect your future. Um, Right. And I would say, too, one of the most powerful quotes that I've heard is, and I think this is where we abandon ourselves, is um, and this quote just is such a, a, a mindset shift for me. But it's the quote is, you know, my worth sits in my choice of me not in your choice of me. Mm, that's so good. Yes. Right? It's all about choosing yourself, but we allow others choice to determine our worth. And that's when we abandon ourselves. Like, well, I'm not going to speak up for my truth because what if he or she doesn't respond the way that I want? So I'm just, I'm going to abandon myself. 
I'm going to let your choice of me determine my worth, but we, our choice of ourselves determines our worth. And that's the work that we're doing. And the more we can do that, the more it spills over into all the areas of our lives. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And when we abandon ourselves, I mean, that's the worst type of abandonment I can think of, I think. That's just so powerful. Thank you so much. And what are the ways that we can start to understand our triggers? What can we do or what kind of practices can we do to say, oh, I have been triggered? Because for people who are not aware of what triggers are, they can easily you know, bypass them. Um, yeah. So yeah. how can we do that? I think one of, the, one of the ways that you can do that is, for me, whenever I feel anger or resentment, it is always a sign that I didn't set a boundary. So if I feel resentment, like I'm just so upset with someone or I'm angry in my relationship, it means I didn't speak my truth. I didn't say, you know what? Like, I need you to communicate more effectively with me. You know, I need you to do X, Y, or Z, like to feel safe. And so resentment and anger for me are always easy signs that I abandoned myself. I was triggered and I did not stand up for myself and set a boundary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's always looking back and asking the question yourself yeah. rather than pointing on other people. Right. Another way is typically when I am pointing the finger at my partner, I need to be pointing the fingers at myself. <laughs> so for example, there was a, a part in my, a time in my relationship where I was like, he's not committed. You know, he has one foot in one foot out you know, he's not consistent. And then I was like, Tali, the person who's not committed and has one foot in and one foot out is you, not him. Like, let's take a step back and like, get real with this. And then other triggers are, you know, when our insecurities, when we feel reactive, we've been triggered. And as like, for me as a recovering perfectionist, a trigger always was a signal that I was imperfect, you know, that I, I didn't have it all together. And so I wanted to push them down and ignore them. But instead, triggers are just guideposts to transformation. Every time we are triggered, we can pause and say, you know, what is that saying about me? And where where is there an opportunity to heal a part of my life, a piece of me? And so when you can change you know, that trigger, a trigger leads to transformation versus a trigger means I'm not, you know, whole, I'm not good enough. Um, It allows you to be more curious about yourself instead of shameful towards yourself. Exactly. Yes. And it's just so important to know what your triggers are. And I think it will save you a lot of, you know, back and forth and disagreements. Um, Um, I think it's definitely worth it. For me, it was more of getting to know myself and then asking myself questions of, uh, you know, why am I angry if if something happens? And where is this anger coming from? And where is this fear coming from? And I spent time actually looking back into my childhood or probably something in, you know, my teenage years that has happened. It usually goes back to that. And it's, again what I choose to perceive based on that experience. And it needs to be let go for me to move forward. Right. You know, just because you have a bad experience with a partner at some point does not mean that, you know, everybody's like that. And that's what people say, right? I've been hurt before, so I'm not going to open up anymore. I have these, 
guards. And it could be very difficult, I think, for people to who've had really difficult relationships in the past to open up. But again, it, it takes the work and it's, the work is usually reflecting back on yourself. Yeah. And I think too, yeah. people who say I've been hurt in the past and, you know, afraid of love in the future, really, when we've been hurt in the past, that's really saying like, we don't trust ourselves to make the right decision on a partner. Mm. And so a lot of the work too, is again, bringing your trust back in house and learning to trust yourself again. Right. Wow. Very powerful. Thank you. And here's another thing, a lot of people, and that kind of goes with it as well. Uh, you know, these are limiting beliefs, right? right. Um, we have these limiting beliefs and mindsets, which prevent us from moving forward in our lives from, you know, even growing into our relationship or people who are in a relationship. So what are like the common limiting beliefs that people have that you have seen in relationships that really prevent them either from attracting their partner or are causing them a lot of struggle in their relationships? Ooh, that's a good question. So I think a, a lot of times it's, you know, if I show my true self, I won't be loved, right? If I speak my truth, if I make this person upset, I won't be loved. If I don't have the perfect body, I won't be loved. You know, if I, I don't have my finances in order, I won't be loved. Um, it's really, really specific to the person. For me, it had to do with like, if I'm not perfect, I won't be worthy. I won't be seen. I won't be loved. Yeah. Wow. You need to give yourself that love. You need to, you know, un understand that you are worthy just as you are. And that's literally how you get seen by others, depending on how you put yourself out there, how you, like you said earlier, do you trust yourself? And basically what you're looking for in a partner is what you should be for yourself. Right. Um, for, you know, to give that same love to yourself and be as you are. Because in my opinion is if someone doesn't really appreciate you the way, just the way that you are, I mean, do you really want to be with that person? Right, um, right. Or, you know, they're not pushing you to become a better version of yourself. So, yeah, I, I think that's, that's just very beautiful. And I think too, just one quick thing that's coming up for me is, one of my favorite quotes is, you know, what's meant for me can't miss me. And I think that's so important in relationships. For me, every time I've needed to have a scary conversation with my partner, I remember, you know, what's meant for me can't miss me. So if speaking my truth makes him walk away from me, then he wasn't meant for me. And there is something even better on the other side. That doesn't mean it's not going to hurt, but it really allows me and gives me the courage to speak my truth in moments where I may not have the courage. And so just remembering like what's meant for you cannot miss you. If that person is meant for you, your truth will not scare them away. It will actually bring you closer together. Wow. Yes, exactly. And I, that's, again, what I see a lot of people are doing is, especially women is, you know, they put in so much just so that the other person doesn't leave them or right. they try to prove themselves to them and they do just way too much and they end up getting 
you know, very disappointed if the relationship doesn't go the way they want it to go. So what are the things that people do can do then to, you know, stop chasing and to just allow things to happen rather than always trying to prove themselves? Yeah, I think really it's about like doing the work on yourself, right? So I think it's truly committing to hiring a coach, hiring a therapist, doing the work on yourself to really remove all of the spider webs of limiting beliefs that are holding you back so that you start accepting yourself instead of proving yourself, right? Because you want to be coming from a place of acceptance and attraction instead of force, you know, improving and pushing. And really it's about, it depends on the person, but I would say really like investing in someone that like an object, another, you know, a person outside of yourself, it's going to help you and hold you, hold you accountable to your growth. All of my massive change has happened when I committed and invested in my own growth by hiring a coach, therapist, combination, whatever it was. And so I think that's really important. And then for me, because then when you accept yourself, you're not proving yourself. Another big dynamic for me in relationships is giving yourself and your partner the room to be human. Mm, That's so beautiful. Yes, we forget sometimes. Uh, We expect so much from our partners, mostly if we haven't healed, you know, our traumas and pain points, if we have, we expect them to cover that for us. And, you know, that's another wrong reason for being in a relationship is if you expect that other person to, you know, fill something that you're missing. And obviously, you know, as they can't do that, that's something that you can only do for yourself. And I think that's where a lot of conflict comes in, I think, right, where the expectations are not met. And when we're looking for somebody to make us happy, or just feeling something that was already missing when we got into the relationship. And then we got into the relationship thinking that that person will fulfill it for us. I see. I think that's a a big mistake that people make for choosing to be in a relationship. Yeah. Like I need this to be whole. And it's like, no, we just need you actually to be whole. Yeah, you do. That's, that's really it. And you being there for yourself and, you know, doing the work. Um, So I really love that. So, you know, for people who are struggling in their relationship, a lot of people struggle in communication. That's one of the big things that I see. What do you have to say about that? And what advice or what tools can people use to communicate their feelings? Um, Many of us don't even know how to do that. So can you share with us a little bit about that? Yeah, so I think it's you know, first of all, like when you get triggered in a relationship, like typically there's some communication breakdown. So I think it's understanding like what that communication breakdown is and then how you would like to be communicated with. So for example, when I started dating the person I'm in a relationship with now, I told him like right off the bat, I was like, I love to be communicated with. In fact, over communication is probably the best rule of thumb with me. <laughs> And I was like, I want to be in the kind of relationship where we text every day, we call every day, we have inside jokes, we're you know, laughing. And so I think it's just knowing. And knowing too, another important thing is knowing what your main triggers are in your relationship and figuring out the kind of communication that's going to help you get through that. So for example, in my relationship, 
my boyfriend and I have two different money mindsets, right? He's much more of a saver and I'm much more of a risk taker. And so we come from two different money backgrounds and money is a major trigger for me. And it's a trigger for him as well. And so we would get in the same fight over and over about money and with our different perspectives. And so what we've had to do is like, A, if we're going to talk about money, we're not allowed to bring it up whenever we feel like it. We actually have to give the person a heads up like, hey, I'd really like for us to have a conversation about money. Could we do that later this week? And this is exactly what I want to talk about with money. Because for me, when it's sprung on me, it triggers me and I get defensive. And so I was like, you know what? Why don't we kind of have a special communication process just around money? And then there's other things too, where, you know, maybe he didn't communicate with me. And so it's our responsibility to say it really hurt when you didn't communicate that with me, or it made me feel, you know, X, Y, and Z, you know, I'd really like for you next time in a similar situation, it would be great if you could communicate with me in this way. Oftentimes what happens is we think that our needs, like that we're too needy, that we're too much, that we're asking too much. And so we just think, well, I'm not going to ask because I'm too needy, or I'm not going to ask this because I just want to, I'm asking too much. And the fact of the matter is, is that your feelings are your feelings and your needs are your needs. So advocate for them. Otherwise, it's just going to continue to have a resentment grow and grow and grow, and it's never going to get resolved. And so really it comes down to asking for what you need. And just being open. Mm -hmm. Exactly. I love uh, having a designated time so that you can come up with your expectations, uh, you know, Mm -hmm. that you're going to be talking about this. I always suggest that, you know, people should not just be talking about, you know, important things or their feelings just randomly when, you know, you're not expecting it. I think it's always good to have, you know, your own time to be in the right mindset and to have enough time to listen to one another without obviously in a safe space and, you know, prepared for it. I think that makes a lot of a difference. And here's another thing to me is that, you know, you should feel free to communicate your feelings. Right. You, you're worthy of that. You deserve that. And some people see that, you know, like you mentioned, um, either they will, feel like, you know, that other person is going to leave them if they say that, or that whatever they're saying is not worthy or good enough to even stir an issue. But to me, it's like, even if there's a potential for that person not to listen to you or to react in a negative way, then maybe you should reconsider. There's a bigger problem, right? There's a lot more to fix in that relationship if you're with someone who is constantly invalidating your feelings and your emotions and does not give you the space to communicate and be yourself. Right. I agree with that. Yeah. So for people who are already in a relationship and, you know, they say that the first year and so is easy. But then once that honeymoon phase passes, things start to get really difficult. What are the things that people can do uh, or should be doing to uh, keep that chemistry going and keep their romance going in, you know, their long term relationship? Yeah, it's so funny, because the opposite is actually true in my current relationship. I feel like now that we're at a year and a half, he and I have finally, we're in the honeymoon phase where the first year for us was 
actually pretty hard because I have a child and also we're both 30s and so we're very independent. So putting two independent people in a <laughs> committed relationship, it's actually it's actually been the, the opposite for me, which is funny. We laugh about it. But <laughs> what I would say is, you know, and people always say this, but, you know, relationships take work. And so, and we think they shouldn't, they should just flow and be easy and everything should come easy. And so when we get out of the honeymoon phase and we're, you know, we're surprised that it takes work, we want to give up. Like this isn't meant to be, you know, I chose the wrong partner. And so again, I'm going to like use that, that phrase, you know, give yourself room, give yourself room to be human and also give your partner room to be human. Right. And then it's about making like, you know, physical intimacy a priority. It's about making emotional intimacy a priority. I think it's also about communicating in each other's love languages, right? Like making an effort. So my love language is words of affirmation. And, you know, my boyfriend's love language is acts of service and gifts. And we have to, both of those love languages don't come natural to us. So we have to really try to speak in each other's love languages, but that's an act of love, right? Like trying to do that. Like for me, I'd much rather have a love note than, you know, some expensive gift. He prefers the opposite. <laughs> and it's just really knowing that and then going out of your way to understand your partner, letting them be their own person. When we're not feeling safe, we want to try and control them and control how they're they're acting. But those are the things that I would say. Mm, yeah, that's, that's so beautiful. You know, you take the time to understand your partner. Um, right. uh, uh, you know, there's so many tools people can use these days to work on your relationship. And um, I love understanding those love languages. It makes things way easier. And you get to know your partner, because a lot of people what they think is, they want to give love the way they want to receive it, right? That doesn't really yeah, that doesn't really work all the time because your partner's love language is completely different from yours. It could be the same, but it can also be very different. And I absolutely agree with that. And also, like we mentioned, you know, having, I think for me is if you already start your relationship having the difficult or seemingly very difficult conversations, you know, about because a lot of people don't, share themselves and become vulnerable early on in their relationship because they're afraid of losing right. the partner, but then that can cause issues later on. But I think to be, you know, to from the get go to be completely authentic and to know what you want, like you mentioned earlier, um, to really write down exactly what you want in a partner, because you can spend months dating people, and then you're if you don't get what you want, it's usually because you really don't know what you want, right? Right. I see that happening a lot of times. So if you have that clarity and if you're feeling safe and communicating yourself with a partner, I think that kind of eases the relationship in the long term. So those are really, really good points. Do you have any suggestions in dating? You know, a lot of people now are having a hard time uh you know, with dating and being ghosted and all that things are going around. And what do you think is causing that, especially with people, you know, suffering a lot, because I get a lot of questions about, uh, the, you know, I'm seeing this person and all of a sudden they have disappeared. And then now 
I don't know what to do. So what do you have to say to people like that? I think it's, you know, it's having really strong, like really building strong self-worth, right? And having non-negotiables. And again, that quote, right? My worth sits in my choice of me, not in your choice of me. And so what happens when someone ghosts us, we're letting our worth be their choice, not our choice. And so it's knowing like in this day and age, because of online dating and the numbers and just the volume of it, ghosting is a part of it. I've been ghosted. You know, it's, it's just, you know, it's part of dating now. And the goal is really just to say, I'm not going to tolerate that behavior. Thank you. Next. Mm-hmm. You know, like I'm not going to tolerate being ghosted. Like, and that doesn't make it mean that it hurts, but it's not personal. People's responses have nothing to do with us. It has everything to do with them. And that, again, doesn't mean it doesn't hurt. But when you can say, gosh, that's not a reflection of me. That's a reflection of them. And keep moving on. What was this here to teach me? Absolutely. Yes. What is it here to teach me? Yeah, I think you, you know, people come into your life to teach you something. I highly believe in that. And nothing happens by coincidence. So... I absolutely agree with that. Every single person that you meet, I know from my own experience, has shared something, has taught me something, even if it didn't end in you know the way that I want it to end. And that's a thing also, right? right? There are relationships that come for a season and some relationship that come for, you know, that lasts longer. And letting go of that attachment but also reflecting on what that person is there to teach you makes a huge difference in the healing part, even if they ended up ghosting you or that. Um, and like you said, it's really uh, how you see yourself and understanding your worth. I think that's the game changer. I love that quote. And you know, staying true to yourself and being there for yourself, not needing someone to complete you but, you know, if, if you're looking for something in a relationship, give that to yourself. Most of the things you can give to yourself. So I love that. Thank you so much. Is there yeah. anything I haven't asked you that you'd like to share with us? Yeah. You know, I think another really helpful piece of advice for me in my current relationship, and I'm and sorry, I'm such a quote person, so I apologize, but that's just how I, I love roll. that. <laughs> <laughs> I, lo- I love quotes. Um, but one of the really important quotes for me is, is this, it's my life becomes unmanageable when I focus on other people instead of myself. Mm. And what that means is we need to stay in our own lanes. It's so easy for me to point the finger at my partner. And as soon as I point the finger at my partner, my life becomes unmanageable because I'm like, well, he didn't do this and he did this. And he, you know, like, instead I need to bring it back to myself and be like, what was my part in this? What's going on with me? What's being triggered with me? Truly, every time I get out of my lane, and this you know, applies to all relationships. If I'm thinking about a friend, a parent, you know, like every time I get out of my own lane, my life becomes unmanageable. It becomes chaotic. There's drama, you know, like I get triggered. And so it's just an opportunity for me to remember like what's going on with me? How do I bring it back to me? Mm. That's so beautiful. Yeah. You can't control anybody. You can only control yourself. That's the only control you have. And again, I think that's another mistake that people get into uh, or that people make when entering into a relationship is they think through time that they'll change a person. 
Uh, what's your say on that? Again, it's that allowing someone to be human. Like there's a balance between having like standards, if you will, certain standards in a relationship and what you're willing to tolerate and having boundaries, but then while also letting that person, that person grow, like allowing that person to grow on their timeline. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't mean that you, you know, you're going to be happy if that person gets to a certain level of growth, you need to love the person as they are now. But yeah. Yeah. And giving them that space to, to be themselves and to grow. That's absolutely beautiful because for some reason people expected their partners to be perfect. And I see a lot of people would, you know, especially if they've had difficult relationships in the past, will not tolerate anything from their partners uh, in the future because uh, there's, you know, they say, oh, I've been there and I've seen that. So I'm not going to do this again. You need to have fixed your issues. And if not, I'm walking away. But you know, relationships, like you said, they require work and they require two people to work together. Right. Um, and it is, I mean, as long as, you know, you have your own boundaries and you're not taking in, you know, that person's, I don't know, too much of their pain and then making it your own, I think you can be there for your partner in a healthy way and then you know, grow together. That's what I believe in. Yes, you come as individuals, but, you know, there's a reason for being in a partnership is to connect and to also heal one another. I think a lot of people get confused by saying, no, you you just do your own thing and I'll heal myself. And that's just the only way. But I think you need to come together. That's That's really what I believe in. Yeah, I agree too. Yeah. Well, Vitaly, thank you so much for all the wisdom that you shared with us. And, uh, you know, I believe that we're all here to serve one another. How can me and my listeners serve you? Yeah, I think just, you know, follow me on Instagram. It's where I'm most active. And um, it's just, it's, my Instagram account is Vitaly Buford. So yeah, like hop over, say hello. Um, I provide a lot of valuable content for my community on Instagram. So that's the best way to connect and stay in touch. Wonderful. And uh, what's one thing that we can do today for our relationship? Oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> There's so many things it's hard to pick. That's really, really good. I think seeing your partner and yourself out of love instead of fear. Like for me, one of the the most profound guiding questions in life is when you can ask, what would love do? How would love respond to my partner? How would love respond to myself? And so when you can view life out of the lens of love instead of fear or control or perfectionism, you grow and you move forward. So I think asking the question, what would love do? Mm, that's so powerful. Yes. Thank you so much. Oh, you're welcome. I will add all your contact information to the show notes so that people can reach you. And thank you for being here. Really appreciate you. Awesome. Thanks. Thanks.